Hi, everybody, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. We are here in the, uh, depends on where you live, but we're knee deep in the pandemic self-distancing time period here, and um, uh, we're getting through it. So stay safe, everybody. Today, we're going to have a little uh, something. We're talking about um, my title of the topic is, would you like a smear with that sandwich? Yes, I said it. Um, it's true. And I'm not talking about that, you know, for the smear is that that cream cheese, cinnamon, yummy stuff that goes on the bagel. Uh, I like the apple cinnamon bagels with that smear on it. it that, that's not the kind of smear we're talking about. We're talking about the narcissist, very potent weapon and part of their blame shifting arsenal, the smear. It's part of the cycle of abuse and dysfunction that follows the discard in a narcissistic abuse cycle. So let's talk about that smear a little bit. And let me take you back to June 16th, 2019. June 16th, 2019. My husband and I sat beside each other, side by side, all cozy on a sailboat with a complimentary bottle of Portuguese wine and the wind at our backs. And we were uh, on a boat with, and the boatman was pointing out all the historical sites. We were in Lisbon, Portugal. Yeah, Lisbon. There was a storm coming in. Um, but we made it back to shore in time to enjoy an Italian dinner that included our very favorite shared dessert, tiramisu, with two spoons, please. Twilight descended as we climbed cobblestone streets that curved around tiled mosaic walls and sidewalks in the city. The city is called the City of Seven Hills, and it's beautiful in Lisbon. I hope someday you can visit there. Um, and the walk was amazing. It was it was the sea breeze blowing in our faces and, and lifting our hair as we kind of walked closer and held hands. We were holding hands. We stopped for a nightcap, um, a cherry cordial called a jinjinha. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, a jinjinha. It was served in a tiny edible chocolate cup. Uh, about bigger than a thimble, but, um, you know, pretty, pretty small. Uh, it would hold about, well, I guess it would hold a shot of liquor, right? Uh, so liqueur rather. So uh, we had one of those. You put the whole thing in your mouth, the chocolate cup and the cherry liqueur. And just, it's like a giant explosion of chocolate covered cherry yumminess. That's just, I've never seen that anywhere else except in Portugal and it's the you know it's worth going there just for that and I don't even drink alcohol but you got to have that it's it's like a dessert with a little kick to it um we finally arrived at our Airbnb and um cozied up in the bed with the windows open so we could feel the cool night breeze on our bodies it was our last night in Europe before heading home We'd been there for nearly three weeks visiting my daughter who uh, lives in Europe and also just having vacation time for us. We went to Paris together um, and then also Berlin, Amsterdam, 
Um, you know, we're teachers, both of us. So we have plenty of time off, very compatible schedule, which was amazing all those years that, you know, year after year after year, we had these summers off so that we could just, you know, not be working and we could travel. And we always traveled cheaply, mind you. We weren't staying in nice hotels and spending a fortune. The biggest part of it that we saved all year for was the airplane ticket over there. We would get that for usually seven or $800 um, round trip. And then we would stay either in hostels or with my daughter or, you know, in some place that was uh, really affordable. And so it didn't break the bank and we learned how to eat cheap street food, things like that, going to patisseries and grocery stores and eating at the Airbnb or at um, the hostel or whatever. So um, yeah, on a teacher's salary, we're not doing it fancy style, but it was amazing. And I'm definitely one of those people in love with, with Europe. I think I, that was contagious. Uh, my children love Europe too, obviously. So anyway, we, um, looked forward to this, having the rest of the summer to alone together. When we got back to the States, lazy days, uh, we could sleep when we wanted to wake up whenever, sit in front of um, some binge watching of Netflix or HBO with a giant bowl of ice cold watermelon and two forks, please. Then let's skip a day. There's the travel time it took to get home. And then we got home late, went to sleep, woke up the next day. I think we lost a day coming back. So it's June 18th. Come with me to June 18th, 2019. I did not know that unless, you know, that 36 hours later after being in Portugal, that my husband of 15 years would suddenly shape shift into a stranger and ask for a divorce. I had been warned almost three years earlier by my therapist and that he was most likely maladapted and disordered and it would probably end badly. His aberrant behavior had escalated in the past couple of years and and the writing was on the wall narcissistic sociopaths get worse as they age their false self grows stronger and their magical fantastical thinking just expands um, she advised me to develop an exit strategy but I dismissed it I minimized it I rationalized it and I said, oh, you know, we've been through a lot of tough stuff and we're still standing together. So uh, sometimes it's bumpy, but, you know, he's my husband and I love him and um, we're bulletproof. We're solid. It's, it's all good. Well, others warned me, too, that in light of his recent transgressions that he had done, um, that I cannot speak of, but, um, they were horrible. And most people said, well, not everyone knew about it, but the small group that did know about it, my family and a couple of people said, Oh my gosh, those are deal breakers. You can't take him back after he did something like that. That's like, no, 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 no. No marriage could survive that level of betrayal, but I thought it could. And I said, he's my husband, and I love him, and I forgave him, and I stayed. Um, I couldn't let go of what 
had been the deepest joy that I had ever experienced in my life. And I had gotten really good at ignoring the horrific abuse whenever it happened sporadically. It was like every so often that I would discover something he had done that was not okay. It was not okay. And, and, and it would be rough there for a bit. And then we would get past that and on back to the, the good stuff. And then something else, something else would be revealed to me that was pretty bad. That paradox of good and bad, good and bad, good and bad happening over and over is it causes trauma bonding, kind of like the uh, Stockholm syndrome, um, PTSD, complex PTSD sometimes. So I was bonded to this marriage and to this person, and it was stitched together with both real love, real organic, true, I loved him. And it was also love addiction. There was another layer of it uh, that was not healthy. It was addictive, no boundaries, codependent kind of stuff. And uh, it was all galvanized by hope and faith and belief that God uh, was there and that he wanted us together. And if I couldn't heal him, God would. And so there was that. So the day that he left, um, he blamed me for everything. Um, he said if I had not been emotionally unavailable, he would not have had been forced to have to look elsewhere for what he needed. He said if I had not given him so much time alone that he wouldn't have stumbled and fallen between some young girl's legs. The blame shifting and the gaslighting that caused this cognitive dissonance was tremendous. I was in complete shock and began to doubt reality, and I was getting sucked down the rabbit hole. Oddly enough, one of our last meetings together after he had left me, he asked me, point blank, he said, do you really want to go down that rabbit hole? As if he knew how how crazy and what, what, how irrational and the madness and the, and the absolute um, horror of it all. It's like he knew and he wanted to ask me if I really wanted to get to the bottom of something that was very dark and disturbing, perhaps. I mean, how else would you take that? Do you really want to go down that rabbit hole? The blame shifting, it was, I couldn't believe it. I had never been anything but good to him, and I always chose him first. I always loved him most. I always stood by him when I shouldn't. Um, so, you know, I thought that all of the crazy, crazy making and mind fuckery might be over, but really it had only just begun. In the classic narcissistic cycle of abuse, after blame shifting comes the smear almost always after they've discarded you and summarily consigned you to the junk pile, their once object of infatuation and idealization is now disgusting and repulsive to them. They want no memory of you or how you once made them feel. And they don't want to revisit any of the good stuff, any of the, any of it in their desire for you, their happiness, their yumminess with you. They don't want to, Think about that. They must completely annihilate you and any and all memory of your time together. 
That's how they move forward. And let me say, with lightning speed, sometimes same day, sometimes weeks, months, maybe even years before they moved on and you just didn't, they just didn't tell you, you didn't get the memo. That has been one of the hardest things for me to accept, that I was erased, just erased. Even the worst separations and divorces recognize the relationship that once thrived and they show honor and respect for the love that once flowed between them. You know, uh, the narcissist, the sociopath, they can't do that. They can't be reflective. They can't honor or show respect to anything. Once they're done, they have to sever all ties in a way that just negates their entire history with you. You are erased completely, expunged, and any and all traces of you and your time as a couple are gone, gone, gone. They take years of your life sometimes. In my case, um, 15 years of marriage. And I knew him for a year or so before that. Um, They take those years and they just make them vanish into thin air as if they never existed. They hold absolutely zero feelings for you after the discard. If they do have a feeling, it's, it's contempt. That would be my word of choice to describe it. They feel contempt for you. They replace you with such speed. It's crazy. So they are serial killers of hearts and hope. They are serial killers of hearts and hope. Yeah, I often try to explain to my husband the importance of not pissing in your own pool or shitting where you sleep. But he repeatedly dirtied the waters and defecated in our space to the point of no return. Then when he realized that he was just marinating in his own waste that was of his own creation, he quickly vilified me and found the cleanest, sparkliest pool of water to just jump into and splash around and the most inviting and sumptuous bed to just jump in and splash around there too. So it is certain that time will compel him to do this same thing to whoever else is in his life. That's not comforting to me now to know that he's going to mistreat, abuse, and eventually discard whoever he's with now. Um, He says he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to see the same face every day. And that's why he has a harem. And they're all a bunch of young girls that don't want to get married and have babies um, and that's what he's fishing for, the, the like 20-year-olds that are fresh and new and still want to live some life and sow some wild oats before they settle down. Yeah, that's his target group. And so maybe, you know, he's one of those ethical non-monogamists. That's what I think. He thought he was polyamorous, but that didn't work out because then he realized that involves having an actual relationship and not just being a you-know-what boy. You know, that kind of person. Um, so I'm sure he's working all that out. It's not my problem. But I, if I thought, oh, he's going to find someone and love them more than me and live happily ever after with them, that would actually hurt more than to think of him out there just whoring around. Uh, because the whoring around just reinforces the fact that he doesn't feel what normal people feel and that he's missing human character characteristics, love, the capacity for intimacy, um, authenticity, 
true truth, his own true self is gone and replaced with that false self and all of that stuff. So, so I can't think about that. Sometimes I do think about that late at night. I'm in my bed alone, haven't even had a date or anything, hardly, you know, to be able to do anything after over nine months. And I think of him with, you know, the flavor of the week, revolving door. Uh, yeah, it's not a happy thought, but it is what it is. Anyway, um, they different narcissists move through the final death throes of their relationship in different ways. And um, I think that's important to know. So this smear campaign happens when the narcissist is done with you and he creates or she creates a false reality to malign their discarded mate through lies, half-truths, deceptions, and they're all spinning around in a blender and what they what comes out of it is just usually just insanity. They will malign their um, partner's character, credibility, reputation, all of it to make themselves appear like the victim, worthy of pity and support. And let me tell you, my narcissist was really good at making you feel sorry for him, making you want to scoop him up and just cuddle him back to wellness because he's just a poor little sweetie pie that's had it so rough. Yeah. And for anybody like me, who's a sucker for that kind of thing, boy, we just eat that up, you know, oh, let me help you. Let me heal you. I will love you back to wellness. Mm -hmm. Poor, poor me. Oh, the world's been so mean. Narcissists are masters at distorting reality with twisted conclusions, and they always perceive themselves as the wronged person in some way or as abused in some way. Um, to, and they do this to justify the poison and scandalous filth that they spread to destroy the victim's credibility and reputation. They don't want anybody believing you when you tell your story. They want people to think you are the crazy one. You're the disordered one. You're the one that's unhinged. You just can't let them go. You're just a bitter, rejected old woman or whatever, right? That's the narrative. They're going to do anything to perpetuate that illusion. And they're just really good at it. And, th and they want to convince the world they are the good guys. They're so courteous and polite and knight in shining armor, so helpful and sweet, Oh, yeah, so sweet. It makes your teeth hurt. They're going to say and do anything, and they are so convincing. Oh, my gosh. I think I'm a pretty smart person. In fact, yeah, I'm, I, I am a smart person. But, boy, I fell for it. I believed it. Everything he told me, I just believed it as, as, as reality when it was far from it. Um, and the scariest part they make themselves believe it, most of them. Now, there's a few types of narcissists who actually know what they're doing and they know they're lying and manipulating. But I think the majority of them, the lower ones and the middle range ones, they don't know. They do it to protect themselves and to turn people against their partner and to get points for themselves. But they don't understand that what they're saying isn't true. And after they've repeated it a few times, they actually believe it. They actually believe the lies that they're saying. Um, I've never seen anything like it to just turn on someone with no 
grounds to do so. And everything is just some imaginary uh, fiction, fiction, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's false. And there's a dangerous disconnect between what is real and what is fantasy. Um, they are prone to this fantastical thinking and, um, and they, this reality just lives in their own heads and has no foundation in true facts. They have a false self that has devoured and consumed their true self. It is interesting to consider how creative, smart, and successful narcissists can be. However, their ability to appear high-functioning does not compensate for their inability to feel the genuine emotions that are requisite of human beings to be healthy and whole. They may navigate through their professional lives and appear very generous and all of that kind, but remember, they are deficient in ethics, remorse, empathy, intimacy, all the things necessary to have an authentic and honest relationship with others. Their impulsiveness, arrogance, entitlement, and their huge ego are all impediments to a truly meaningful life with the kind of passion and purpose that defines a quality of life. They are truly survivalists, predators, opportunists, manipulators, and they possess, possess many characteristics that allow them to thrive in, out there in the world. Just imagine how far you could go and how successful you could be if you have zero conscience, zero ethics, zero morals. I'm sure you can think of some leaders, perhaps politicians, people you may have heard of that seem to fit that description. They are sharks and persistent and very single-minded which are characteristics that enable them to achieve many things. So when they begin this dirty smear, they just let the lies fly. And those that are going to believe this are really not your friends or allies. They may be flying monkeys. They may be recruited by the narcissist and they're just buying all of that. They don't know you well enough to defend you, and maybe they're too gullible or ignorant to resist being drawn into this web of lies. So you just have to let those folks go. The people who know your heart will not doubt you when he starts slinging the mud or she starts slinging it. They're going to know the truth. So I think we have to honor those people and just dismiss the rest. The narcissist is going to lose interest as soon as his new fuel supply Um starts showering him with all this delicious admiration, attention, affection, adoration, all of this stuff that he so desperately requires so that they're going to set the reset button and then poof, the former life is gone. You're going to be completely erased and forgotten. And, um, you know, he's going to hit the road, disappear, never look back even for a second. These are not the people who deserve our love. They don't even know what it is. They've never felt it, and they place no value on it. While they are off chasing someone to stroke their enormous ego and fill their emptiness with this blind allegiance, we can see, we have the ability to see truth and hope for a future that is real. This life in La La Land may have been blissful when it wasn't agony, 
but it, it can't last. It wasn't real and it simply doesn't exist. So let them commence with the smearing. Rub that dirt all around. Spread it thick and heavy. You know, you, you don't have to live in that filth. They do. And just because they pretend until their fantasy life manifests some candy-coated, high-in-the-clouds alternate reality does not mean that they win just because they can do that. This, the land of the lotus eaters is not your permanent home. Come on, Alice, step away from the rabbit hole. The real world needs you. Do not let them suck you into that dark hole. It's time to leave the cave and the world of shadows. You know, that illusion is uh, Plato, allegory of the cave. Anybody, anybody read that? Uh, yeah, we, okay. How about this? We got to come back to reality, come back to life. Click your ruby slippers, Dorothy, and get the hell out of Oz. He's the tin man and you can get tetanus or the Corona virus from that sick, rusty piece of shit. There is no place like home. I think it's time to go there. If you enjoyed today's message, please follow me on narctroopers.com, N-A-R-C-T-R-O-O-P-E-R-S.com. I have a lot of podcasts, and I have a lot of video blogs, and I have some articles that you can read and other goodies on that site. And please share with people. I, I, um, the message that I bring to people, I share my personal experience, but it is grounded in uh, research. It is grounded in my master's degree with much focus on guidance and counseling and personality disorders. And so um, what I'm saying is legit. It's, it's factual and it's hard to hear. And I hope by sprinkling in my own pathetic story, it sort of adds some humanity to it. And I hope it also compels you to know that like, if I could get through this, anybody can with some help. We can't do it alone. So I'm here for you to guide you, to tell you the things I think you need to know. And I hope you come with me on this journey and, um, and learn what you need to know and get the inspiration that you need to have to heal, to be well, to be whole, and to let these people go. Because we have to let them go. They're going to kill us. All right, Dorothy. See you next time. Bye. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mm-hmm. 